It's good to be in the house of the living God this morning. Hallelujah. As you know, the first Sunday of the month, we, we always like to try to participate in the Lord's Supper. And so I'm going to be reading, first of all, from, from Corinthians. I uh, have some scriptures here that I God had laid on my heart this morning for our church to pray together. So when I get to this part, then I'm going to have you guys to repeat as we're praying together uh, our confessions of our sins. First of all, the Apostle Paul says, Thank you, brother. The Apostle Paul says, Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. He says, Therefore, whoever eats or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner would be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. And so a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, he eats and drinks judgment upon himself. And that's why many of you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. We know the Bible teaches us that we all have sinned and that we all have fallen short to the glory of God. I'm just waiting on the Holy Spirit <laughs> to fall upon me. John says, if, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we'll confess our sins, that, that God is faithful and, and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. And so God is calling us as men and women of God that we need to confess our sins before God. And before each other. I want you guys this morning, close your eyes. And I want you to pray this with me. I wish I wrote it down, but I didn't. So I'm going to go with my heart and just ask the Holy Spirit to give me the right words here. But these are the words of David that he confessed before God as he stood before the Lord Almighty, after he committed great sins against him. David said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Everybody say, Have mercy on me, O Lord, according to your unfailing love and your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquities. And cleanse me of all sins. Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. Or take your Holy Spirit from me. But restore to me the joy of my salvation. 
and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressor your ways and sinners will turn back to you. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. God's people said amen, amen. The Apostle Paul teaches us for, for what I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. And the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which, it, which is for you, and do this in remembrance of me. Jesus teaches us in his word, he says that, that I, am, I am the bread of life. Your, your forefathers, they ate manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. But, but here's a bread which comes down from heaven which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread which comes down from heaven which a man may eat and live forever. This bread is my flesh which I give unto you. So I want you to take the bread, the symbol of life in your hand, and remind yourself of what Isaiah says. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of his peace was upon us. And by his stripes, we are healed. Father, we receive this bread by faith in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the bread from heaven. And we love you in Christ's name we receive. The Bible says in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Everybody say new covenant. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Jeremiah says, the time is coming, declares the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. It would not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. For they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. This is the covenant I will make after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my, my laws in their heart and write it upon their mind. No longer will a man teach his man his neighbor or his man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they all will know me from the least of these to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Everybody say hallelujah. Ephesians tells us, but, but now in Christ Jesus, once you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Paul says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the son whom he loves, through whom we have redemption, for through his blood we have redemption. Everybody said, through his blood we have redemption. John says, he is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the word of Jesus, in the mighty name 
that's above other names, we praise you. We thank you, O oh God, for your mercy and your grace and your love that endures forever. And we thank you for your precious blood. We know the scriptures teaches us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And we thank you today for the forgiveness. We lift up this cup high in the man and name of Christ and we proclaim your blood until we step into the kingdom to receive it all new, Lord. We praise you now. We receive it by faith in Jesus Christ. God's people said amen and amen. We receive it. Hallelujah. If you would go to the front of your Bibles and find the index, and once you find the index, please find the book of Micah. And once you find Micah, then turn to that page and find your place in the sixth chapter of Micah. Micah chapter 6, verse 6. Through eight. I figure I'd give you guys mercy when I tell you to go to the index because I can tell you some books are hard to find in the Bible. And it's really our own fault because we do not spend enough time in the scriptures. But once you find Micah 6, verse 6, please stand for the reading of God's holy scriptures. I'm sorry about that. I'm, you know, I struggle with swallowing. That After I had that last neck surgery, it messed up that muscle in my throat for swallowing. So I, I choke on air just about. Man, it's almost impossible for me to swallow. Micah chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. If you have your place, say amen. Micah says, with what shall I come before the Lord? And bow down before the exalted God. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn of my transgression? the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. Verse 8, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for the reading of your word. And we anticipate what it is you would have to say today. And Father, we know that God, you still speak to your people. Regardless of what many say today, Lord, you're still on the throne and you're still in control.
And Father, we turn this service over to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask that the Holy Spirit would fall fresh in this room, especially upon your spokesman. Let the words of his mouth and the meditation of his heart be acceptable unto your sight. Hide your servant behind the cross. May the fire of God burn any and everything out of his mouth that is not pleasing to you. Oh God, we ask right now that you would open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts to receive what it is you have for us today. Oh God, you're still the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. You are not of God of wood or stone or hay or stubble, but you are the living God. And Father, you are the one who sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that we may have life and have it more abundantly. And your life, O oh Lord, is found through your Son, through your Word, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, have your way in this service. Bless us in the mighty name of Christ, and we praise you now in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord Almighty. Now, last week, if you guys were here and if you were not, I would like to remind you <coughs> that we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. The Apostle Paul tells us that, that, that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. And so in a nutshell, we, we, we learned that God has given us something called free will. In other words, we have the choice and we can choose to do good or to do evil. We can choose righteousness or we can choose unrighteousness. We have the choice. But your choice as Christian men and women should always point to the cross. Can I get an amen? In fact, God, he, he desires, he inspires us, he, 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 he persuades us through his word to make good choices. And one of those verses that we stand on is Deuteronomy 30 and 19. The Bible said, this day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you. I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and love the Lord God and listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can I get an amen? Sometimes the devil runs that long, green, hairy finger down my throat like the Grinch. And it, oh, and I just can't seem to breathe, but right now I'm trying to catch my breath. Now, I want you to look at, at, at this word with me right quick from last week was the word beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. The, the word beneficial simply means the things that we do that result in good. 
Everybody say good. And so we were focusing on the subject of making good, godly choices. And we, we learned that not everything we choose is beneficial for our lives. It's not beneficial for the church. It's not beneficial for the kingdom of God. For example, sometimes we, we choose to be evil. We choose to be angry. We choose to be mad instead of choosing love. Are you with me so far? James tells us in James 1:19 and 20, you know this, my dear friends, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. God desires for us to walk in his righteousness today. Can I get an amen? Jesus said, we know this, Luke 6, 27 and 28, but I tell you who hear me. Are you listening today? But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Understand that this, what Jesus is asking us, what James is asking us today, it will take 100% humility. In other words, you are going to have to humble yourself like never before if you want to accomplish what God is asking us in his word. And so with that said, please take note of where God has brought us today in verse 8 of of our text. He's, he says, I, I have shown you, old man, what is good. And then he asked this question. What does the Lord require of you? I want to use it as my, my title today. What does the Lord require of you? I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, neighbor, do you actually understand what God himself is requiring of his people. That's big, isn't it? Now, some of you know that, that the book of Micah is not considered a great book. In fact, the, the theologians of our day, they, they, they simply said that, that the book of Micah is considered a minor prophet. I was thinking about if our world today would weigh me, the theologians, if they would weigh me as, as a preacher, as a man of God in those same scales that they're using on Micah, I can promise you this. I probably would not even be considered as being a proper preacher because they are weighing us against the ways of men not according to the weights of God I want to remind you that it was it was Jesus who who called the disciples himself Peter James Andrew John come on amen he chose men that were not qualified in other words, Jesus 
chose nobody. Because you see, Jesus didn't want people who could use their own credentials to glorify themselves in the kingdom of God. It was John the Baptist who said, I must decrease, he must increase. See, John understood in order to be great in the kingdom of God, we have to become small. And the smaller that you are in the kingdom of God, the greater you are in the eyes of God. And so when I look in the mirror, I see the smallest man in this room today. And if I don't see a small man, I need to decrease. I know when I was a kid, I I, I would take a microscope. If you turn it upside down, everything would come a long ways from you instead of close to you. And and I want to become so small in the eyes of God. Because the smaller I get, the greater I will be in his kingdom. Or you want to be large today, then get small. And so the theologians of our day, they, they look at Micah as though he was small. He's not like a major prophet like Isaiah, Daniel, or Ezekiel. See, Micah was very much like myself. He had no diploma. He had no degree. He, he was not from the theologians. He was just a simple prophet of God. Are you with me so far? But the Bible said it was he, speaking of God, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors, teachers, to prepare God's people for work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. He he reminds us of something. Brothers or sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were noble birth, but God chose. Everybody said God chose. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the lowly things and the despised things and the things that are not so that no flesh may boast before him. If you think that you got a big S on your chest today, you need to remove your S because you're not Superman. And when you think that you're Superman, you're really becoming smaller and smaller. You need to see yourself as being little. I remind you of what Zechariah tells us in 4.10. Zechariah 4.10, he teaches us not to despise the days of small beginnings. And you may say, well, preacher, this, this church is almost 20 years old this coming year. My Bible says one day with the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. In other words, we ain't even one day old yet. Come on, amen. And because God has called us to do what we're called to do, it's God who brings greatness into our church. We're not trusting in men and we're not trusting in chairs, but we're trusting in the name of the Lord our God. Are you with me so far? And so when I look at Micah, 
I don't see minor at all. But when I look at Micah, I see one of the major prophets of the entire Bible. Let me show you why. First of all, I want you to see this. Micah was the one who tells us exactly where the Messiah would be born and exactly what tribe he would be from. This is phenomenal. Look in Micah 5 and 2. You're already there. But you, Bethlehem, though you're small among the clans of Judah, see, he went out the smallest clan, which was Judah. Out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel, one whose origin is from old, from ancient times. He is teaching us right here that, that the one who would be the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he would come from eternity past. In other words, before time even began, Jesus was sitting on his throne. Hallelujah. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were created, and without him nothing was created that has been created. That's a big God. And that's what Micah is beginning to tell us. And secondly, we see that Micah would tell us that, that there would be a shepherd who would come. Shepherd like no other shepherd, a shepherd who would be over God's people, the one who would walk in the power of the Most High, and he would become our peace. The same thing that Isaiah said in 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. David said that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still water. He restored my soul. Come on, amen. And that's the same shepherd that Micah is talking about in Micah 5 and 4, verse 5 as well. The Bible said he will stand and he will shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of his Lord, their God, and they will live securely for then he, listen, and they will live securely for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be their peace. Muhammad has no peace. Buddha has no peace. There's only one king. There's only one Lord who can promise you peace. And that's Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And I'm here to tell you that, that we serve not a little God today. Oh, but we serve a God who can give you peace right in the middle of your storm. Your house can be in turmoil. But you can step out of your house into that little quiet room, that, that secret place that only you and God know about. You can get in that secret place and it doesn't matter what you're going through, what storm, and you can call to the name that is above all other names, the name of Jesus, and that peace of Christ will fall on you. And your storms will be Still, just like when Jesus stood on the boat and said, peace, be still. He didn't have to shout. 
All he had to do is speak the word. Just say the word, Lord, and your servant will be healed. Are you with me so far? And thirdly, we see in our text how, how great Michael was because he teaches us about the pattern of life that God is requiring from every man and every woman of God who will walk before him all the days of their life. He's given us a, a diagram of what we're called to do. And, and you know, man of God, what the Lord has shown you to walk justly, to hum walk humbly before the Lord. Are you with me so far? And then fourthly, Micah is the one who speaks of a kingdom that will come. Micah speaks of the time that the Jewish people will be drawn from the north, south, east, and west, and they will all be drawn back to Jerusalem. He speaks of the time with, that even the Gentiles, you and I, will be part of this kingdom, and you and I will help rebuild the walls in love. And that's what I'm doing today. I'm just building walls to keep the devil out of your life. Are you with me so far? Micah 7 and 11 and 12. The day for building your walls to come. The day for extending your boundaries. In that day, people come to you from Assyria, to the cities of Egypt, from Egypt to Euphrates, from the sea to sea, and from mountains to mountains. Right now in this church, we're reaching the people north, south, east, and west. You know why? Because we are little in the eyes of this world. People in Ireland are listening to our message. People in Scotland are listening to our message. People in Germany are listening to us here in Millwood Church. In China, you name it, we are touching people's lives across the world. And if that's not nothing, then God has given us our own Christian rock band. Come on, that's crazy. And through our music, we're, we're being played over 32 stations across the nation. And guess what? People are hearing the Word of God fresh because we are small. Are you with me so far? And so me personally, Micah is very major. And yes, he's only seven chapters in your Bible, but you think about this. Is the book of Jude less more important than the book of Acts? Because if you look in Acts, you're like 28 chapters. You look in the book of Jude, there's only one chapter. But which one's most important? They're both the same because my Bible says in 2 Timothy that all scriptures are God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I want you to understand that, that, that Micah is written up under the Old Covenant. In other words, Micah is telling us about the covenant of, of, of the old. And so if we were wise today, we can't just look at the old covenant because we're not up under the old covenant, but we have to look at the new covenant and the old alike. In other words, we don't get rid of the old ways. You don't get rid of the old, old Testament because we're not up under it any longer. No. Rather, we uphold it. Are you with me so far? See, see, the Bible teaches us, Jesus tells us this. Listen to this. Matthew 13 and 52. Jesus said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law 
who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Come on, amen. In other words, Jesus saying, listen, just because it's old doesn't make it no good. Come on, amen. Because it was through the Old Testament that God gave us his Ten Commandments. Come on, amen. In other words, since I'm under the new covenant, do I just kick the Ten Commandments to the curb? No, we do not. We do not kick them to the curb just because we're not up under them. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 and 14, he says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong and do everything in love. And so what I'm saying is this, under the new covenant, we have to understand we're up under faith, we're up under love, and we're up under grace, and we're up under hope. Are you with me so far? Paul said, and these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. If you want to know what the new covenant is all about, you have to understand what grace is. You have to understand what faith is. You have to understand what love is. And once you understand these, these here will give you something called hope. Can you imagine having hope without faith? Come on, amen. I got to have faith in the New Testament under the new covenant to understand that without faith, I cannot have any hope. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 tells us this, that we walk by faith, not by sight. Hebrews 11 and 6, one of our favorite verses. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is and that he rewards those who earnestly Seek him. But let me give you another reason why the, the Old Testament and the New Testament are both important. First of all, Paul says in Romans 3 and 28, he said, For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Okay, he's showing you right here that apart from the law, you can be saved. But look what he says in Romans 3 and 31. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? He says, God forbid, rather we uphold the law. That's awesome, isn't it? We don't kick the law to the curb because we're not under it, but rather we uphold it. And, and I've learned in my own walk that when I tried to obtain the law by my strength, by my flesh, it was impossible. But the moment that I said, I can't do this, that, that's the moment I became small. If you say to God, God, I, 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 I can't do this, he's saying, about time. Because when you get to that place where you said, I can't, God says, good, I'm going to take you by the hand and with you, I'm going to show you that we can do this together. And all of a sudden, you find yourself walking with Jesus by faith in the things that were impossible to do. I can't do this, God says, with me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, I can't forgive this person. I know you can't, but with me, I can't love this person. I know you can't, but with me, are you with me so far? And so Micah begins today with a very simple question about sacrifices to God. 
He's saying basically, would God be pleased if you did this or if you did that? Even if you thought God would be pleased, would he be pleased if you brought to him not, not a cup of oil, not a gallon of oil, not a bowl of oil, not 10 gallons of oil or, or, or gallons of oil? Would God be pleased if you brought 10,000 rivers of oil? How much oil is that? Even if you brought 10,000 rivers of oil, it would not be pleasing to God. I like what Paul says, that he brings it to where the rubber meets the road. Galatians 3 and 3. Listen carefully. Paul said, are you so foolish? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to obtain your goal by human effort? Man, in other words, are you still trying to please me by your own strength? No, 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 no. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Whatever you're doing right now, oh, this is going to be pleasing to God. No, it ain't. What's going to be pleasing to God is the moment you add your faith to the equation. In other words, when you begin to walk by faith, not by what you can see, what you can feel, what you think about yourself, because you and I are but filthy rags, our best that we can do in the eyes of God. The best, the very best that I can do, your pastor, is nothing but filthy rags in the eyes of God. Come on, amen. Another, I probably walk on accident more holy than some of you do on purpose. But I can promise you, my very best, come on, amen, it's terrible. And so I don't trust in how good I can be because I know today I'm doing good, tomorrow I'm doing even better, but the next day, whoo, it don't take long before you slip. Come on, amen. It doesn't take long before you, you, you focus too long on something you shouldn't look at or, or you say something you shouldn't say. It doesn't take long. Just wait. The truth will come out. And then you say, you know what? I shouldn't have trusted in myself. Look at Hebrews 10, 4 through 7. Listen to what Paul writes. It is impossible. Everybody say impossible. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Impossible. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then he said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. And so our deeds... Our sacrifices, everything we do, if it's not done in faith, is displeasing to God. Turn to yourself and say, self, walk in faith. We go all the way back to the very beginning. We're going to find two brothers. You know them. Their name is Cain and Abel. These are the first two sons of Adam. And we find that in the course of time that these two brothers... We're bringing offerings to God. And when you read the offerings, they both look phenomenal in the eyes of man. Let's read it. Genesis 4, verse 3 through 5. In the course of time, 
Cain brought some of the fruit of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Verse 4, and Abel also brought an offering, the fat portion, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain became angry and his face was downcast. Listen to what God says to him. If you do what is right, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. When sin is crouching at your door, you tell sin, Mr. Sin. We told him last week, Mr. Sin, I'm not under your lordship. I'm up under a new master, and my master says this, that I must walk by. Thank you. Go with me to Hebrews 11 and 4. This, un, this, this, this reveals the whole truth of that story. Hebrews 11 and 4 says, By faith, Abel brought God a better sacrifice than Cain did. And by faith, he was commended as righteous. And when God spoke well of his offering, and by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Let me just say this. If you offer an offering unto God by faith, let me just say this. Your offering will never die. Your offering will always be before the eyes of God. Come on, amen? In other words, you may forget it, and we will forget it, but God will never forget it. You know why? Because you did the same. You walked by faith. You offered your offering by faith. Now, I'm going to stop right there. For some reason, the Holy Spirit wants me to reveal this dream. I think it was uh, Friday night I had this dream. Strange. So I'm not going to bring the name of the person, but there's a certain person in the church that, that was in the dream. And, and I went to this person in the dream, and, and they're in the truck. And they're loading up stacks of money. And this money is going to be sent to be burned. It was old money. It didn't mean nothing to them. And so I went to this person and said, listen, would you like to help somebody with, with, with an offering to, to feed this man? He's, he's homeless. I don't have nothing to give him. And that person turned to me. He left the stacks in the truck. I'm talking money this big going out to be burned. It means nothing. They turned to me, they put their hand in their pocket and gave me one bill. Had all this was going out, hundreds of dollars going out, but they gave God one bill. In other words, all this stuff that we think is so important in life is going to be burnt up in the fire. But, but, but the, the little thing, that little offering meant more to God than all the rest because it was given from the heart. And some of us are right now saying, you know what, I'm going to give this to the kingdom of God. But, but God is looking for that little woman who gave the two small copper coins. She gave everything she had to live on. And she's like, did you see that woman? And they're like, yeah, Lord, she only gave two pennies. He's like... You're missing it. 
She gave everything she had to live on while all the rich people are just pouring in thousands of dollars and, and, and I'm not pleased with that. I want an offering given by faith. Get back on the subject here. <laughs> and so we come to our verse. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Number one on our list is to act justly. And what does that mean? To act justly means to act according to what is morally right, what is just and fair in the eyes of God according to his word. According to his word, we find that there was two men who was crucified with Christ, one on his right and one on his left. And the one on the left, he was mocking, mocking the Christ, while the other one said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Listen to what it says. Luke 23 and 41, this man says these words, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Now, here's what makes it difficult for us today as Christians trying to live justly. It's because everyone around us that we're dealing with on a daily basis, they do not live by the principles of the Bible. They want exactly what's not, what does not belong to them. They want more than what really belongs to them. Does that speak to anybody? In other words, they are demanding something that they, that, that's not owed to them. Mm. But we have a pattern. His name is Jesus. And our pattern is teaching us that, that you and I, what we are called to be just in all that we do. Look at this. 1 Peter 2 and 22 through 23. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, guess what? He did not retaliate, but instead he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Everybody say this. The battle is the Lord's. Everybody say it again. The battle belongs to God. When you walk by faith, you're entrusting your battles to God. Because God is saying, listen, I'll give you the choice. You want to fight it? Okay, I'll watch you. If you want me to fight it, then you watch me. Oh, hallelujah. In other words, if you want this battle to be won, then turn it over to me and watch, see what I can do. But as long as you're fighting with your own strength and your own power, he will step back because he is a good God. Okay, I love this son, but even though he's choosing wrong, instead of choosing life and choosing me, I let him fight it. There's power in surrender. There's power in letting go. There's power in being little. There's power in being nobody. God's showing us something here, guys. 1 Peter 3 and 9, 
teaches us that we're not called to repay evil with evil. He says it like this, 1 Peter 3 and 9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with a blessing, because this is what you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Woo! You want to be blessed? Be a blessing. I'm talking to somebody over here. I get a lot over here. This is, this is the little side. That's where all the power is. <laughs> I might just turn the pulpit over here. Come on, amen. If I got to preach to one man, I'll preach to him. Hallelujah. Because I'm, I'm going to preach to who's going to talk back to me. You, you remember, I come from small black churches. And these people, they didn't say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. They started out, mm-hmm. Then it went to, amen. And then when they start swaying, come on. When, when the black people start swaying in church, then, then they're being moved. And then when they come to their feet, then you know you're preaching. And when they stand in the seat, come on in. And they're standing up in the chair, and they're like, come on, preacher. Come on. And it's like this. I'm going to tell you what. You can't help but preach. But you get in a tomb with dead people. Ain't nothing happened. Come on, amen. In other words, if you want me to preach, come alive. It's, it's, it's the resurrection service. And so God, when he's asking us to be just, what he's really asking us to be gracious. You see, when you look in the Old Testament, and you see God in the Old Testament, it doesn't look like God was very gracious, does it? But then you look at the New Testament, you're like, man, this don't even seem like the same God. See, this is the reason we're missing it, because we don't understand the time frame. Let me break it down for you. The New Testament altogether took about 70 years to write. But you look into the Old Testament, it was thousands of years. Everybody say thousands of years. If a man lived to be 60, if a man lived to be 80, and he was forgiven three times in his life, that's that's a lot of grace. But you have another man who lives for several thousand years, and he was forgiven eight times, he still got more grace. Because you got to understand that the time span, God gave more grace that was deserved. In other words, you don't see it because it's such a long span. But I can tell you, God was patient. God was waiting. God was forgiving. And he was merciful. And so when he did raise his hand, you think, oh, he's he's not giving much grace. Yes, he did. Because you're not looking at the hundreds of years that they took him and took his name and and kicked it and stomped on it and spit on it. And he waited patiently until he said, you know what? I'm not going to take it no more. I'm going to flood the entire earth. But we don't see all the sin that happened prior to Noah. Woo. Paul said in Ephesians 4, 30 through 32. He says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He says, get rid of all your bitterness. Get rid of all your rage. Get rid of all your anger. Get rid of all your brawling and slander along with every form of malice. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Listen, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. 
So we come to number two. He showed you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love mercy. You see, when you have power to punish, in other words, if God has given you a rule of authority and you have power to punish, but instead of punishing when they deserve it, you give them grace. Are you with me? That's being merciful. I hate to say this, but Emily was a pretty bad little girl. And the older she got, the meaner she got, and the worse she acted. But when she was little, I say seven or eight, and she done crossed the line too many times, I'd get the belt out, and I'd come, and I was going to just whoop her butt. She would say this, give me grace, daddy, give me grace, daddy, give me grace. Let me just say this. Those little words had power to quench my anger. Listen, sometimes altogether, I just walk out of room. What she has to say? See, she knew what to say. She said, Give me grace, Dad. See, she knew that that's all I, because she, she, somehow she understood that, that the life that I came from, that, that God was merciful to me. I deserved death, hell, and the grave. I deserve eternal punishment for what I have done, what I've accomplished before Christ. But when he came to my life and I surrendered, he gave me mercy, something that I could not afford. And that is what he's asking of us. We have to be merciful for those around us because we have to give them the same kind of grace. It's not easy, is it? That's why we prayed earlier. Have mercy, David. See, after David committed sin with Bathsheba, God sent Nathan the prophet to him to rebuke him of his sin. And David cried out, God, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfading love, according to your unfading, according to you, who you are. Matthew 5 and 7, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Give, and it will be given to you. Luke 6, 38, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing to you, your lap, for the measure you use will be used unto you. And so to understand how to love mercy, you got to learn how to give it. Until you learn how to give mercy, you'll never understand it. It's just like you can't really understand what salvation means until you give it to somebody. Because when, when your life was changed, it, it was radical. You remember all the change. But man, the moment that you share Christ with someone and they come to the cross, your life will never be the same. You lead one person to the Lord, I can promise you, your life will be forever changed. 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16, Paul said, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. If anybody in the Bible understood what mercy was about, it's the Apostle Paul. Because here was the man who was 
not only putting Christians into prisons and beating them, but took the life of even Stephen. And now, God said, I'm going to take this nothing, this nobody, on the crooked road to Damascus, and I'm going to put him on the street called Straight. I'm going to put him on the street called Say, and he's going to be one of my greatest apostles ever. You know why? Because he's nothing in the eyes of the world. And I can take this nothing, this little man, and get rid of all his religious ways and show him grace and mercy and love, and he'll become one of the greatest. And that, that, that's what motivates me. It's not his anger that motivates me. It's not his discipline that motivates me. It's his love, his grace and mercy that drives me to the cross. And when I see my sin today, all I can see is the cross and the blood of Christ. And I don't get motivated by, by hurting people with the message of God. I get motivated when I tell them about his great love. I close with this. And to walk humbly with your God. I command you to walk humbly with me. Let me just say this. If you are walking in pride today, I can promise you, you are not walking with God. Because the Bible says that God resists the pride, but he gives grace to the humble. Matthew 11 and 29 Jesus said these words. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Solomon writes Proverbs 11 and 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. James says in 3 and 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life and by deeds done in humility. But if we harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in our hearts, don't boast about it. For such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. So God gives us a choice again. You either humble yourself or God will humble you. Come on, let's think about it. If I humble myself, I don't have to deal with God humbling me. But if I don't humble myself, he's going to bring you down in love, but it's going to hurt. Come on, amen. It's going to hurt. The Bible tells us, Luke 14, 11, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. You can't see the victory. You know why? Because your pride is saying, you got this. No, you don't. Remember, we can't accomplish this. We can't do this without it. And so when, the moment I said, Lord, I surrender, I can't do this, then all of a sudden you begin to see that still, small voice begin to whisper in your ear. He takes you by the hand and says, I got the battle. He told David, listen, David, don't you move. Don't you move until you hear the, the soldiers marching in the trees. Come on, amen. And, and David's like, what? Okay, this is strange. 
Then all of a sudden, David begins to hear the soldiers marching, marching in the trees. And the moment he heard the marching of the angels, in other words, he knew it's time to go against them. See, God says, be still and know that I'm God. And, and, and see what's happening, the, the moment that we get still before God, that's when God's moving in the unseen realm around us. You won't see it because it's unseen. But, but God is moving mountains. He, he's getting things prepared for them to say that will cause them to fall. Oh, yeah, they're getting their scripts all ready. They're getting all their, th their plans ready to come against you. God said, let me have the battle. Because my weakness is greater than man's strength. Hallelujah. So what does he tell us in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7? I'm going to close with this. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty right hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Everybody say, I'm on due time. That's, <laughs> I'm on due time. Cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Micah, do you know what his name means in the Hebrew language? Who is like Yahweh? How would you like to be named who is like Yahweh? You say his name, in other words, everything that, that, that Michael would say, he would stand, they say he would stand before the people and he would say, who is like Yahweh? There's nobody like him. He is the God of all gods. He is the creator of all things. Who is like Yahweh? Micah understood that my help comes from the Lord. Some men trust in horses, some men trust in chariots, but I will trust in the name of the Lord God Almighty. You ask Job, Job 5.17, he says these words, Blessed is the man whom God corrects, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. When God corrects you, don't get mad, say praise the Lord. Hebrews 12, 6 and 7. The Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts his son. Verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as a son for what children or what child is not disciplined by his father. And we all undergo discipline. So, let's all stand together. If there is any pride in your life today. You need to let it down. And if you say, I, 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 I don't have no pride, preacher. Yes, you do. You just, you just announced it to yourself. I want you to begin today to see yourself for who you really are. Genesis 2 and 7. And the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So if you could see yourself for who you really are, you are dirt, dust, mud. 
<laughs> What's your name? Mud. I'm Clay. Come on, amen. Just call me Clay. Because in reality, that's what we are. And the moment we empty ourselves in this jars of clay, the more we empty ourselves, the more He can fill us with Himself. The more you fill yourself with yourself, there's no room for God. You got to empty yourself of you. It, it, for we have these treasures and jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not for us. For we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not persecuted. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. For we always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. We are jars of clay. And our power is found in God alone. And so when we open our jars, our mouth, our mouth of our jars, we want His Word to flow out of us. And the only way that's going to happen is to transform the renewing of your mind. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and to prove what God's will is, His good, His pleasing, His perfect will. Good, perfect. You can be in God's good will or His perfect will. His pleasing will. I choose the perfect will of God. Close your eyes right now. And say, Lord, in the Spirit right now, I'm taking this jar of clay. It's cracked. It can't even hold water anymore. But I'm taking this jar of clay and I'm, I'm laying it on its side. And right now, Lord, I'm pouring out all the things that's separating me from you that I've been trusting in. And Lord, once this jar is emptied today, I want you to lift me back up and put me right side up. And I want you to begin to fill me. Fill me with trust. Fill me with love. Fill me with mercy and fill me with grace because what I want to come out of my vessel is the same thing that you poured out of yourself into the world. Help me, Jesus. Fill me now. Everybody say, fill me now. I want your love, Lord. I didn't hear nobody. I want your love, Lord. I want your mercy, Lord. I want your grace, Lord. I want your power, Lord. I want your love, Lord. I want your forgiveness, Lord. I want your faithfulness, Lord, to flow out of me. I want to walk out of here as a vessel that is pleasing unto God. And I want you to use me to help to build these walls to keep the enemy out of our camp. Lord, bless your people. There's someone here today that needs salvation. Come right now. Give your life to Christ. I pray for that woman right now, Lord. She's thinking to herself, I've lost everything. I remind her today that you start with nothing. 
Lord, I just right now, I just ask that you would just touch her right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray blessings over her finances. I pray blessings over that, that spirit of fear that's coming against her at night. I come against it in the name of Jesus. I, I pray your mercy over her, Lord, right now in the name of Christ. Bless her. Bless the worst of her hands. Bless her to the north, south, east, and west because she is your child today. I pray for Brian, even now, Lord. This man's trying to worship you, Lord. But God, you have the power to send musicians. Lord, we need a bass player, hallelujah. We need a keyboard player, hallelujah. Lord, if you want horns, you want violins, whatever you want, God, send it. Lord, we need more than a drummer. Come on, Lord. You say you own the cattle on a thousand hill. Well, I'm, I'm asking you, Lord, in the mighty name of Christ, to send us some musicians, God. Let us have a full praise team. Because if we can praise you with two, Lord, let us praise you with a hundred if we got them. Lord, you have the power. Just say the word, and your praise team will be healed. Lord, I pray for right now, I pray right now in the name of Christ over finances. Lord, we trust you with every dime, every penny we have, Lord, because you are the king that multiplies. Everything you touch multiplies, and everything the enemy touch divides and subtracts. We rebuke him off the name of our finances, and we speak life over our finances and blessings, Lord. And Lord, don't let us be God robbers, but let us be people who are joyful at giving unto you. Lord, go with your people today. We love you in Jesus' name. God's people said amen, amen.